Welcome to Anthony and Todd Show. On behalf of Trevor Abley, I'm Vincent Thomas Short. And we got an extra special interview lined up today with Washington-based Plenderphonics mastermind Slap Seraph, who put out a fantastic album earlier this year called Voice Inside the Music, which I've been bumping all summer. And he just put out a collaboration with Washington-based rapper Rhetorician called I Think We Killed Bigfoot. And he also released the instrumentals to that project, both which you can find on Spotify and Bandcamp. We had a fantastic interview with him. He was a great guest. We talked about everything from his creative process to some of his aspirations in music, as well as the neverhood, which was a very hype moment of the interview. Uh, without any further ado, let's get straight into the interview with Slap Seraph. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Anthony and Todd show. We are here with Slap Seraph. What's going on, Slap? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, of course. Thanks for being here. As Vincent probably mentioned in the pre-recorded intro, which I haven't heard yet because I'm live right now, uh, Slap just came out with uh, his brand new album. Well, it's it's a couple months old. The Voice Inside the Music. And we have been bumping that for uh, quite a while now. It's an honor to uh, be talking to the artist behind all of this. Slap, how did you first get into making music? Okay, so... Ah, uh, that's a story. There's no real story, you know, it's a similar thing where like, oh, I get a drum kit for like Christmas at maybe like six years old and that becomes too annoying. So I have to like do something with headphones on. My dad has uh, some kind of, da- uh, you know, like DAW going on on his computer and I start playing around with like a loop pack and then, uh, you know, get into middle school, uh, start getting into electronic music when that's happening and uh, figure out what Ableton is. Uh, then I get way into hip hop after that and it kind of just evolves into what I have now. That's a terrible answer. I apologize. I don't, I have not thought about like my history as an artist until right now. Well, like usually people don't have this like iconic starting moments. It's usually just simple like that. Um, like your inspiration starting, you mentioned hip hop. Was it like the usual people like Dilla, Bad Lib, maybe like Doom or even potentially like the Avalanches? Okay. So the first hip hop CD that I ever had was actually Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys. And that's not the one with the plane on it. I'm talking about the one where the guy is holding the toaster through the like drive through window. Oh, yes. Like th- that album. Um, I probably heard it, I want to say when I was about like three on my dad's like classic iPod, which maybe older than three, like five or something. But I, I remember that cover very clearly. And I remember hearing, just listening to that album when we were driving uh, on a vacation to California. And obviously I didn't know what a sample was yet, but I was just like super into the like the jazz punk, like very like just various like record samplage influence going on to that record. It's it's still their best, in my opinion, like even past uh, Paul's Boutique, which is oh, a wow. very hot take. That's, but I'm going to make a it. very hot take. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Paul's Boutique. That's I'm uh, a fan of both. I, I got both in my car at all times, but sure, you know. I think they really came into their prime. They actually recording, you know, actual instruments on that album, trying to like replicate the records that they're sampling all the time. I don't know. I'm into it. And it got me to where I am right now. Also, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, the soundtrack to that game, played that from a very early age. So I did have um, the loop pack. They have a song on there, which uh, Madlib produced for like very early just hearing that over and over again and then like de la soul and just groups like that definitely like got me to where i am right now 
I feel like no one really wants to admit, but I think that uh, just about anybody that owned a gaming console was probably influenced in music taste by the Guitar Hero soundtracks and Tony Hawk soundtracks. Oh, absolutely. My brother is actually the one who really got the Guitar Hero influence. Like, he is a very, like, talented guitar player now. And it's purely mm-hmm. because he was like, I have to beat my cousins at Guitar Hero. <laughs> That's interesting. You you mentioned your uh, dad's band off mm-hmm. um, off mic or off the record, and you just mentioned your brother being a very skilled guitarist. It seems oh, like yeah. you come from a very musical family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was very important that I like took piano lessons from an early age. Um, my dad and mom are very much like. Uh, apparently, I was like playing in xylophone and trying to like sound out "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," mm-hmm. like very early. So they're like, "Oh, we should probably make use of that." And like develop those skills, which I'm very, very thankful for. Because, yeah, my dad has uh, been a music fan, like lover and player. He's also a very talented guitar. Like both, um, yeah, my dad and my brother are like incredible. And I decided to not go in that route just because of uh, competition reasons. You know, like there's sure. no way that I can compete with like two amazing guitarists in my family. I got to do my own thing. That's kind of an old school versus new school uh, mindset. Are they supportive of you using electronic devices or your more electronic path, I guess? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, It took a while for them to, like, kind of understand what I'm doing, like, the technical side of it. But, like, sure, they've always been like, yeah, this is a cool sound you got going. And, yeah, I have no complaints about that. You mentioned the Beastie Boys. You mentioned the Tony Hawk pro skater soundtrack um who are some of your other like influences as far as um just production goes so i actually had someone on uh, reddit when i posted my album to r slash the avalanches because i'm a huge fan say that they tracked down exactly who i'm influenced by and i saw the list and i had to agree so that would be the avalanches boards of canada bibio jay dilla madlib obviously the whole like stones throw scene sure uh, Aphex Twin, like that kind of stuff, even like IDM, uh, Warp Records. Uh, and then right now, because there's, there's a difference between like the, the producers that I'm inspired by and the records that I listen to that inspire me to make stuff, I guess. So I would say for at least this recent record, I've been very, very much into uh, BMP, Brazilian music. Uh, yeah, that, that's been really, uh, catching my ears recently. Like, um, Arthur Verokai, just, you know, jazz influenced, almost like Led Zeppelin style stuff, even coming out of this country. I'm new to it. I'm not knowledgeable enough to like really make any definitive statements. How did you uh, get into that kind of scene? Uh, YouTube e-digging, you know, like, uh, I don't actually sample off of uh, vinyl records that much. I know that's kind of a controversial thing. Doesn't that break one of the the sampling commandments? It might, but you know, I'm <laughs> I don't have like five hundred bucks to drop on like a single. Right, the, the most uh, what's the most expensive record I've ever bought? Uh, the Electric Prunes, um, Holy Are You? I think I spent like fifty bucks on because. It's a Christian record actually that has just the most amazing bass lines on it that I've ever heard, like out of nowhere. So I, I've been digging that too, but I don't have the money to drop on the amount of samples that I'm using, to be honest. So I, I've been going to YouTube because there's pretty clean recordings of pretty much anything that you would ever want to hear just sitting around there, you know? Yeah, it's tough out here. And it's it's actually, I think, uh, rejuvenating to see young people that are 
breaking those commandments. Like you are obviously aware of the the rules or whatever, but uh, to break them, I think, shows that you have a mastery over that and and uh, are using your resources. Like you're right, people don't have that kind of money to spend on on clean recordings of of records anymore. So it's it's good that people are not always adhering to that. And it's kind of a dodgy game, you know, because like a lot of the YouTube channels that I do find that have the music that I want to sample, like I'll go back and subscribe to them. And then like maybe a month later, they'll be gone. Like YouTube gets rid of it. And I know if you ever want to get into like the copyright side of the sampling argument, like there is a lot going on there that I'm sure that my music falls under that I can make some arguments for or against, but aren't really familiar with the legal side of it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I've been really digging the Aural Wilderness recently. It seems like a very oh, no way. personal release. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been ch- checking that out on Bandcamp quite a bit. That is kind of... Uh, I guess that was two years ago now. I was like, I'm going to make an actual album. And I did. And then I went back and was like, I could have changed a whole lot about this production-wise. And I'm just going to leave it and continue on and hope that nobody hears it. But if you like it, <laughs> I am very happy to hear that. I do. I really enjoy it. And it, it seems like a very personal release for you. Um, how did you decide which tracks to sample on here? Um, I guess it's just what I'm listening to at the time. Like, uh, usually when I'm working on a project, I'll, I won't like go after a certain theme necessarily. Cause I do like to sample from as many genres as possible and kind of combine them. Mm-hmm. But like, I went on a big, like King Crimson bender for a while. So I was like, Oh, this, certain melodies will like just get stuck in my head that I, it, you know, you know, when you like hear a song and then you think you know it, but then you hear it later and you had it completely wrong. Oh, absolutely. So I'll try to take that wrong version that I had in my head almost and like recreate that sometimes as like a kind of a creative technique. So yeah, I'll hear something. I'll just be like, damn, that's a great melody. Oh wait, I had that completely wrong. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the melody I had in my head anyways. Like I can I can do that, you know. What if you make the wrong song a reality? That's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I noticed some pretty big names on there. Obviously on the cover, and then just knowing some of the songs, I saw Michael Jackson from Off the Wall like on the mm-hmm. cover, and um, I love that that rule track that you did, as well as the Nothing Will It remix. What a great party track! Uh, mm-hmm. Some Frank Sinatra, the Neverhood soundtrack. Oh my God, we're talking the Neverhood now. <laughs> if you want, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are neverhood secrets in almost every single project I've released. There's little tiny samples from that game. I put them everywhere because that game is like my entire. It's like a dream state childhood memory that I have. Would you go as far to say that's like your favorite game? No, that'd have to be Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh. Yeah. So good. I, I'd be lying to myself. I have so many hours in that game. It's incredible. Do you prefer the first Roller Coaster Tycoon or two or three? Okay. Okay. So the first one has the best scenarios. Like okay. level design wise, the first one, you can't beat it. Most imaginative there. Two has better mechanics, but the level design is not as great. And then three is just kind of garbage. And that's okay. Oh, thank God, thank God. I hate three. Hot, hot take. I, three's my favorite. I don't care. No, shut I up. understand where you're coming from because as a child, I played three the most, but that's just because you could actually ride the rides and that was a cool thing. 
But have you looked at that game recently? No. Basically, all my memories are three have been replaced with Planet Coaster, which is pretty much mm. the same game. Yeah, this is a roller coaster podcast now. You guys live in Ohio. You have Cedar yeah. Point like right next to you. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have Kings Island too, but you have to wear a mask. <laughs> you oh. get on the rides. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but like I, I, my dream as a child was to go to Ohio and ride rides at Cedar Point and Kings Island, and I finally got to do that a couple years ago. Y'all are so lucky. You don't even know. We're living your dream, baby. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's really funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> Vincent pointed out that your uh, font on the on your hoods project was the roller coaster tycoon font. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. That was so funny. So you guys went in pretty deep. You you looked at my old old stuff. It's all out there, you know. I know. I haven't deleted it yet. I was just. I didn't think that anyone would find it. It's like, I mean, on my Bandcamp page, it is right there, but I, I mostly look at my SoundCloud and you like start going like years and years back and you're like, I should probably just get rid of this stuff. Like, I think it's a detriment to my image at this point. You know, I was, I was kind of going to get into that a little bit later, but if we're talking about it now, let's talk it. Um, mm-hmm. You've written that you felt like the RL wilderness wasn't super complete. And then yeah. you, you literally just told me that like you felt like it could have been improved on. Do you feel like having it up shows the growth that you've made as an artist? I guess so. Like, I'm not embarrassed by any of the music I've made. Like, at some point, I was really, really feeling it. And at that point, that was just the best project that I could have made at the time. But my philosophy is that I never want to be in a situation where I just go years and years without putting anything out and then no one hears from me. I'd rather just have my best work because whatever I release is like what I see as my best work at the time. And even if I don't like it afterwards, like, you know, it's it's just going to be there. People only really pay attention to the uh, latest stuff anyways. It's not like I really have a legacy yet, you know? Yeah, I understand that. Um, personally, I, I already told you, like, I really enjoyed the Aural Wilderness. I know that Vincent did as well. Um, that feels like your most avalanches pro- uh, project so far. This feels very much so like your... Um, since I left you kind of thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'd be lying if like Avalanches wasn't like the main t- uh, inspiration in general that I have for like, not even for like the actual songs they make, but how they structure a project is incredible. Like I really, any album that can like take you out of your room that you're sitting in like on a journey is something that I really aspire to. I mean, especially like during tough times like these, like being able to be taken out of your own head is like really important and i think yeah i'm I'm basically after that experience all the time so avalanches it just rips you out of your seat and you're on a journey in your own mind and it's just all there in your head almost that's kind of a weird way to describe it but yeah i take that idea and i try to apply it to all my projects and especially the arl wilderness that was like okay i'm gonna sequence these tracks in a particular way that feels like i'm like if i don't know if you guys uh checked us out on my youtube channel but my friend uh cody made an entire like full-length uh visualizer to that album out of like sampled material and filmed himself like tubing down a river which i think perfectly describes that album it feels like i'm tubing down a river through some psychedelic experience or something like that but yeah i I, i'm glad you guys like it uh what do you think of the current state of the avalanches right now just out of curiosity (sighs) so if you go to the r slash avalanches sub on reddit there's uh, a bunch of hot takes being thrown around right now oh man they've completely changed their sound their new track sounds more like jamie xx than the actual avalanches Mm -hmm. you know what if i was in their situation 
I hadn't released an album for years and years. I finally got that one out. Like sample clearance takes a long, long time. Like it's super hard to do. You need to have someone like on your team doing that. I'm sure that they feel like they just want to be able to make something current and in the time that they have left on this earth and not take another 30 years to release another project. And I completely support that. And I love, I love how their new stuff sounds too. It's very, very spacey and it's very emotional. And, you know, I've cried a little bit, some of the new tracks, like they're, they're very teary. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that uh, their new sound is also very interesting. Let's move on to uh, one of your newest projects here. Uh, the Rhetorician and you put out, uh, I think we killed Bigfoot pretty recently. How did you get involved with uh, the Rhetorician? How did you, how'd you meet him? So I've been in Bellingham for about five years now, just uh, going to college. And I always wanted to get into a music scene. Uh, especially uh, there's a really cool uh, hip hop producer scene up here in Bellingham. And there's a bunch of amazing rappers too. However, I didn't talk to anybody in that scene at all for like four, well, probably three years now, I guess. I'm just a very shy person. However, um, I heard the rhetorician on SoundCloud. I, I forgot how someone mentioned his name at some point. And I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to message him on SoundCloud and see what happens. And he is the nicest dude ever. You, you, no, one res, no one responds to SoundCloud messages. Like, it's not a thing. If you go to the app, you can't even access, uh, you know, the messages. So I'm surprised we got in contact at all. But he is one of the best rappers in that I know. Honestly, like I'm not I'm not even trying to say like, oh, in the local scene, like he's one of the best. Like he has some serious skills and a completely unique sound. I'm in love with him. So obviously I wanted to produce for him. And it's just been a, a constant back and forth of like, oh, what can we uh, do with uh, both of our sounds combining them? And uh, Bigfoot is a very Northwest hip hop project, which I don't think they're that's really a, a scene that people think of. But. Yeah, I want you to think of like being deep in the forest, being chased down by uh, Smokey the Bear and Bigfoot when you're listening to this. <laughs> oh, okay. So Smokey's nemesis just uh, made sense to me right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Bigfoot is Smokey's nemesis. Uh, so is the rhetorician from Washington as well? I, I maybe He's from uh, Philly originally, but he's been in Washington for a bit now. I see. Yeah. Um, have you produced alongside any other rappers? Uh, here and there, but nothing. Uh, I, I have something in the works right now with uh, Memphis Reigns, who had uh, he had a CD out a very uh, long time ago that was a very big underground hit, and he is still just as good, if not even more talented than he was then. And just, yeah, just an incredible rapper who hit me up on Instagram after hearing my beats. So I have uh, my first vinyl release coming out with him, like, very soon, which is a dream come true. And I have him to thank for that, like, for just reaching out to me, which, again, I'm a very shy person. Like, I rarely do that. We'll get back to the interview in just one second. I just want to take a little second to promote our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. We have some great reward tiers, whether it's us reviewing a track of your choosing or asking us a question or getting your name in the fantastic audio credits at the end of this podcast. It's a nice way to support us if you're a fan of the show and you want to see your support monetarily, but it's not really recommended. You can also share the show 
uh, share the podcast, share the YouTube video, share it any way you can. Spread it where their mouth. It doesn't really matter. You can also find us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find me on Twitter at the Vincent Short. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. And with all the self-promotion out of the way, let's get back into the interview with Slap Sarah. Like you just mentioned that you're a shy person, and we talked about the r slash avalanches a little bit. Do you feel anxious when you have to put yourself out there and, and put your music up for uh, display for everybody to kind of critique? Not really. Um, I, I, I think my music is pretty okay. Like, I'm not afraid of... No no one has ever come out to me and like, this is bad and you should stop. So I, I've let it go. It's got to my head and I just at this point believe that my music is at least pretty okay and people will at least get a little kick out of it, if nothing else. So I, I am not embarrassed of it at all at this point um talking to people in person different deal but you know online you put your stuff out there it's it's either no one is going to respond to it or someone's going to say something usually pretty nice that's a good way to look at it then Mm -hmm. uh did you feel like producing alongside another musician is more rewarding to you or do you enjoy making music just for the sake of the music uh well everything that i make starts out as just making music for the sake of it. And then if it goes anywhere, I usually introduce another artist into it. But I mean, just from the Genesis, like if you look at like my Ableton project folder, first of all, my naming conventions are absolutely terrible, but just the amount of little tiny things that aren't really music yet and are just like little sketches or ideas that are just gonna sit on my hard drive until it eventually burns out. Like 5% of those are actually going to turn into songs, you know? So yeah, I, I really believe in just like experimenting as much as possible from like the very beginning. And then if it turns into something good, maybe rein, in it, rein it in a little bit into something, you know, listenable. Uh, who would be a dream artist for you to collaborate with if you could pick anybody? Well, first of all, if any artist wanted to collaborate with me, I would usually say yes. Um, <laughs> it's a weird question because... There's a bunch of producers that I would like, I think I would like to work with, but then I think a lot of producers kind of have the mindset, especially when they get a little bit more successful where it's like, I have something very, you know, it's working for me and I just want to be like alone in my room doing my thing, at least on the hip hop side. Like that's kind of the trend I've noticed, but oh, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me do some punch up work real quick. Apparently the, the people that I want to collaborate with are A.G. Cook, Royksop, uh Sebastian, Andy Stott, uh, Series Mo. Oh my God, I would love to work with Series Mo. That, that could happen. I could, I've been actually cold emailing a lot of people to remix my music recently. It goes surprisingly well. You would not believe how many people are just like, okay, yeah. Uh, you were talking about the uh, hip hop producers that you uh, kind of worked alongside or, or went to school alongside in uh, Washington. Do you feel like you had any real competition for the type of music that you were making? Um, so I would say no, because funnily enough, at least the producers that I am friends with in Bellingham and like are familiar with, everyone has their entirely their own sound going on, at least to my ears. Like, obviously, there's a bunch of people like slinging samples and doing interesting stuff with it. If you check out like the the Black Noise Records roster, the the little collective that I'm part of, you're not going to hear anything on there that sounds like remotely similar to each other because everyone is very independent out here. I feel like I we obviously like there's a bunch of collaboration going on as well, but yeah, I don't know. Does you know the uh, Seattle Freeze? 
like yeah antisocial personality of the northwest that is only half true uh we usually just producers out here they only share their work if it's like really getting heated and like something's cooking that's pretty good but otherwise you know like i'm in at least yeah i'm just sitting in my room out here like making my own beats check out uh klefto actually he is the guy who actually signed me on to Black Noise Records, who is a producer himself. I look up to him incredibly, and he is like probably the first producer that I've actually gone into the studio with that like we can make something together that sounds really good. So yeah, look out for some Klefto Slop Serif collaborations coming out pretty soon. So Black Noise is the collective that you're a part of. Could you uh, maybe give us a little bit of background on them? Yeah, well, it's um, it's a thing that's existed for a bit, but kind of died down for a while and is... Um, kind of coming back now we're not really signing we're signing like one new artist i think but it's just uh, a bunch of this yeah klefta's friends basically he goes out and like if he likes a producer he usually will hit them up to release something through the little uh the label basically so it's it's not really uh an organization thing it's more of just like um klefta's knowledge base of uh, washington producers <laughs> that are actually like know their stuff um, so your voice inside the music record. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. It's more of a like continuous stream of music and as you've said is best enjoyed cover to cover, correct? Yeah, that is the intention. Um, I spent a lot of time after all the tracks were like well made and done and everything, just like kind of making transitions in between those so you might hear if you're listening to it you might hear like little segue beats that come in some of those are part of the original song a lot of those i just like tried to produce um specifically a bridge in between two songs after i got the track ordered together yeah it, it flows very very nicely did you find it difficult to create a large work like that well i want to say that um it took me probably a year and a half to bring voice inside the music to completion but i really didn't have um the same vision when I started that I had when I was kind of like really in working specifically to like complete that project. How did that change? Well, uh, it started out, um, the first couple of tracks I made were like, um, the rain song and like this old machine. And I was starting to get into this production groove of, uh, I want to say like, I finally found the sound that I want to actually continue with and make more music like that in the future. So yeah, I made the I made uh, the rain song "Can't Say Goodbye" and uh, this old machine kind of like all in a row, and I was like, "Damn, this is great! I love this. I love my own music." Finally, I need to like continue to this production path and see where it takes me. So it kind of did shift after a while from the beginning to be like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna actually get some vocal artists uh, involved in this project." Like I got Chris Evans in a rhetorician on some tracks both incredibly talented Bellingham musicians. Uh, some of the tracks I actually sang on myself, which I never thought I would do in a million years, but I was like, I oh, need a really? vocal part for this. Yeah. Um, Blue Train and uh, Pleasant Things Are Entirely Me. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I'm not trained whatsoever. So it took a lot of post-processing to make my voice sound like usable at all. But I, I did the work and I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Was that a scary uh, process for you? Uh, not scary, just time consuming and like frustrating. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, man, I, w- I, sh- I can't pull it up right now because it's like deep in my hard drive, but I probably had like 16 different effects with the dry wet knob, at like 0.5%, just like little tiny touches. Like, oh, I need to take this off and I add a little bit of this. 
So it doesn't really sound like me anymore, but that's kind of what I wanted. And I double-tracked everything as well. Where is the Neverhood secret in this album? I'm not telling, man. It's deep. <laughs> this one is actually really deep, so you're, you're going to have to look for a while. Play the album in reverse. It's actually the Neverhood soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> I, can, I can't. I will reveal um, on all Aural Wilderness, it's pretty easy to spot. Like, most of it is just taking uh, that guy, Willie, talking. Once you collect all the clips finally, and you like finally put them into the player and they play the whole story, that story is almost biblical in a way. It, it, like, it has that like weird, like very like historical uh, feel to it. So I'm like, I'm just going to kind of incorporate this in here. I, I love like point and click adventures. I love um, like Grim Fandango and Broken Age and all those games. Like some of my absolute favorites. I just grew up on that stuff. So as soon as I saw uh, Clayman Clayman on the cover, I was like, man, <laughs> that's so cool. Have you guys have you guys played the sequel? Uh, no, the the skull one. No, uh, recently Doug Tenaple, the creator of that game. Uh, oh, is this the Armicrog? Yeah. Did you like that? Uh, I haven't beat it. It's too hard. I I have very small brain for that kind of game. It took me a long time to beat Neverhood, man. It took me a long time. I didn't look anything up, but like I, it took me years. That's a true test of skill is is not using the walkthrough. I was raised on games like Mist, where it's like if you don't figure this out yourself, then like kind of feels like you're cheating you'll never move fast it yeah um i saw that voice inside the music was getting a physical release is this the first physical release that you've done uh technically yes it is it has a cd out right now you can buy it on my Bandcamp. what is that uh, process like uh it takes money you have to pay for it I, I basically, me and uh, Nico, Klefto, uh, we uh, just sat down and was like, all right, we're going to go on CD Baby and find like a good number of CDs to make. I did all the graphic design work myself, basically. Uh, and after that, you just send the tracks in after they're mastered and the uh, CDs come back. It's, it's very magic. Nice and simple. Is that exciting for you to have that, you know, a, a piece of slap serif history that you can put on your shelf? Oh, I love it. Like, um, I'm a huge cd and vinyl collector more cd than vinyl actually like number wise but yeah my car uh, doesn't have bluetooth it has an aux cord now but like for a while it was just like i have cds and that's about it so i became a huge cd collector so to, to have my own cd like it it just feels nice and like i accomplished something for sure so uh that's it for this interview uh we're gonna play you a special treat off of slap serif's new instrumental album the accompanying it with his collaboration with the rhetorician called i think we killed bigfoot it's the track serif we're gonna play that for you right now i want to thank you guys for listening and slap do you have anything else to say to the audience before we play this track not much if you've heard my music before i really appreciate you guys going out and listening to it and experiencing it uh if not if you like music it is that and you'll probably like it <laughs>
This has been episode two of the Anthony and Todd show featuring Slap Seraph, who put out the fantastic album Voices Side of the Music earlier this year, which you can find on Bandcamp and Spotify and Apple Music. And you can even buy CDs of at slapserif.bandcamp.com. He just put out a project with the rhetorician called I Think We Killed Bigfoot, and he put out the instrumentals of that. Both of these you can find on streaming services and his Bandcamp page. If you want to follow the show on social media, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. If you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. Get some of those premium reward tiers. If you want to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at the Vincent Short. You can find Trevor on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. Today's episode was edited by Vincent Thomas Short and was executive produced by Dustin Cox. Until next time, guys, I'm Vincent Thomas Short, speaking for Trevor Abley. See you, boyos. <laughs>